The host of this show, Max Naist, lived in addiction for years and made lots of destructive choices, which resulted in losing friends, family, and his career. After being in jail for the fourth time, he knew he needed to make some big changes. Now, sober for 17 years, he shares the steps he took, which led to recovery and got his life back. Welcome to Fearless Happiness. 19.7 million American adults have battled a substance use disorder. 38% of adults have battled an illicit drug use disorder. But no matter what the struggle, no matter the challenge, you can overcome anything and become successful. Max and his guests share experience, strength, hope, and faith. If it's PTSD or military-related, trauma, physical, verbal, sexual addiction, alcoholism, you can accomplish your dreams. And with this show, we help others be fearless in their pursuit of happiness. This is Fearless Happiness, and this is Max Naist. All right. Good afternoon, everybody. Good morning or good evening or wherever you're at in this world. Welcome to the Fearless Happiness Podcast. This is Max, your host. And today I have a really cool and good friend of mine that I got to meet last year at um was it two yeah it was 2021 right at the apex live event apex live and um we've been go ahead go ahead go ahead i was gonna say we've been friends ever since because we're kind of like kindred spirits we share kind of a similar story and i've been wanting to get justin on here for quite a long time because he's got quite a story the dude's just an all-around badass dude he's a good friend of mine um and i love his work um he uh, does remodeling work out there in Texas, and correct, like watch me say correct. it wrong, Dallas, Dallas, <laughs> Dallas Texas, and Dallas, uh, Texas. yeah, him and his company do some some great work out there. And I've showed my wife. They said, "Well, can he make a trip out here to California and do our bathroom for us?" I said, well, "I don't know, maybe one day." Uh, but anyway, um, let's get started. What I like to do, Justin, is is have my guests introduce himself to my audience like who you are what it is you do and, and we're gonna rock and roll all right man hey max i appreciate you having me on the fearless happiness podcast man it's a, it's absolutely honor and it's a privilege uh man I, I really do uh think that it was kindred spirits and it was a, a divine it was a divine meeting when uh when you and i met man i think i think there was just this vibe and energy that uh that that brought us together man and, and, it's, and it's pretty cool to happen like that so so yeah my name is justin henderson uh i i own uh, lone star boys contracting and just recently started up a, a new uh new home construction company called wh custom homes uh llc here in north texas you hear that now he's got a custom home company well i know <laughs> who i'm going to when i move out to texas because this california boy is uh tired of california Anyway, well, Californians, Californians are the reason that we had to start the company. So I, 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 I joined forces with a partner because there's no inventory here. There's absolutely no inventory, and in, in the houses that are being bought here, the Californians are paying way over asking price for it. They're 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 kind of pushing people out of the market, which is fine, and they're remodeling the home, which is great for me too. But there's really no inventory here, so we're we're trying to build homes and just put inventory on the market and fill a need. And that's crazy. But that what does that tell you about California, right? No one wants to be here anymore. Um, so my won't... last customer, <laughs> my last customer is is full blooded Korean. Him and his wife, 
And during the sales call, the, the initial call that I met him with uh, in their home, we were doing a complete remodel. And he told me, Justin, it's so bad. He said, this is the second time I have escaped communism in my life. See, I, everybody, <laughs> we're, we're really not going to try to get into politics, but sure. but Justin and I are passionate about what's going on with our country. Like everybody should be anyway, right? It, it, I guess it's it's our calling now not to be quiet. But but what I want to do here is, is share Justin's story from where he came from, the challenges he's overcome to be now a, a, an owner of two companies, right? Which is the American dream, right? is build a business, you know, build that American dream. Um, and he's never really shared all of it with me, but he will today, I hope. So Justin, like, I want to ask you, right? Cause we know we're both to have like same kind of history, right? When it comes to drugs and alcohol, share with the audience, like those challenges you faced that like, I know you've told me that were a big hurdle years ago but how did you overcome that challenge and, and actually let the audience know what kind of challenge that was well uh growing up in uh, plano texas which is basically a suburb of dallas north here uh you know it, it, back in the back in the early late 80s early 90s it was considered the place to raise children uh it just so happened that kind of a perfect storm uh was brewing uh I don't know if it was the cartel or who it was or what 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 gangs came in, but I know that heroin uh, made a presence uh, in in our community, and it was uh, something that I started to dabble in with friends. We had already been smoking weed, we'd already been you know tripping acid, doing a little bit of cocaine, and it was just one of them things that just kind of showed up, and uh, and and when it showed up. It had a really devastating effect upon a lot of people. Uh, I, I don't think I don't think a lot of families were were ready for it. I don't think our community was ready for it because uh, you know things just like that don't happen in in Plano, Texas. Right. You know, smoke a little weed. You know, drink a little beer. Whatever. You know, triple acid. Whatever. You know. Right. Um, but heroin's a whole different monster. You know, it, it's it's a it's a devastating monster that you know is just you know. If, if, if you've never heard of it, you never dealt with it, you don't know how to deal with it, it's going to it's going to catch you by storm and, and there's nothing you can really do. So that kind of that kind of sets the stage of what happens next is that. Um, it was so. It was so prevalent in, in our society here in Plano that MTV came, I, I believe, in 1994. They did a they did an expose on it. I mean, people were just dying left and right yeah i mean it was bad yeah. my 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 whole entire social circle of people that i had been going to school with my my immediate social circle of at least 10 people that i hung out with almost every day seven of them died as a result of, of heroin or drug related accidents within one year of graduating high school that's crazy I mean, and that's a statistic that should not be happening, right? But like you said, when heroin, and imagine now with fentanyl, it's even 10 times worse. Like oh, yeah. Right? They're, they're saying that with fentanyl, heroin, all that stuff, but fentanyl overdoses have killed more 18 to 25-year-olds than the coronavirus and alcohol, drug driving, than anything combined, right? But they don't talk about that in the news, right? They don't talk about 
right? Because of the stigma, right? Like if they asked me and you now, like we're in a crowd of, you know, when we went to Apex, right? And people were like, you guys, you guys don't look like former drug addicts, right? Because my boy <laughs> here, Justin's a big dude, right? Like, and, um, you know, and, and our whole thing is, is trying to be in the best shape, you know, the best, most elite version of ourselves, right? Like people look at us, you know, and I would have never known when you told me, right? Until you told me, right? Because, but see, here's the thing is that stigma, people either think you're that, if it comes to alcohol, right? You're the drunk behind the 7-Eleven with a brown paper bag, right? Or you're that junkie on skid row with the needle hanging out of your arm, right? That's what they think drug addicts and alcoholics are, right? That they don't talk about the people that do recover and that overcome that challenge. However they do it, I don't care, right? But like you said, it's a beast because if it's got its claws into you, imagine those claws are like that grizzly bear that's got that hold on you and you're trying to get away, but it's just too big and too bad. Like, how do you do it? So share with the audience, Justin, like when you started realizing like, okay, like I've got myself in a pickle here, right? Like, I, I don't know how to quit. I don't know how to do this. What was that turning point for you that you said, like, I got to stop and I got to make a change? Well, that the good question, because it, it just didn't happen on one one attempt. And uh, it was several attempts. So I did come to the realization that I had a problem, did come to the realization that I needed help, uh, reached out to family for help, uh, had my had my uh, wife's uh, father show up one day at a door and says, get in the car. I'm taking you to rehab or you're not going to be with my daughter any longer. I mean, there was just periods of time where, I mean, there was help available and, and I, and I full heartedly wanted to change, you know, I, I wanted a better life. I, I knew I was raised better. I was smarter than this. You know, I just, I just felt like I could be, you know, something better than what I was being. Um, but the hooks and the emotional pain from all the past and the trauma that I'd gone through, it just like kept, just like digging back at me and digging back at me. And I'd go through 90 to 180 days of sobriety and then find myself with a damn needle in my arm, 72 hours out of rehab, you know, why, you know? And so that was kind of the pattern for several years. Um, the, the, I, I always thought, you know, when they say that the, uh, you know, that when you hit rock bottom, you know, you'll change. Right. Well, I, I found new bottoms. <laughs> I found, a new, about. I found a new rock bottom, you know, I was like, oh, it can't <laughs> right? get much worse than this. Guess what? It really can. So, uh, so what, what, what the true rock bottom for me was, um, on October 16th, I was, uh, I was arrested for a charge that, um, I, I did do part of it. I am guilty for, for part of it. I'm not guilty for some of what they said, but I found myself in jail facing uh, 99 years in prison. And uh, and I knew that uh, I knew that that was just no longer acceptable. I knew that was no longer acceptable. Uh, I've shared I've shared the story of how um, I became clean um, with a few people that are close and personal to me because you know a lot of people in this day and age don't really believe in a higher power, don't believe in God, and I'm not really here to tell you whether or not it is or it isn't. I can just right. tell you what my story is. That's right. My story is this. I tried on my own power to stop drugs. I tried. I, I did everything that I could possibly do within my own power to stop. And I gave it my all family around me, prayers, you know, love support. You know, I had a good support system, all that. It didn't work for me. Right. 
the moment, the moment I got on my knees and I prayed the most honest prayer of my life, which I truly believed in my heart was, was what I needed from God was that if you would just take the desire for the drugs away from me, I believed I could become a better person. And I was on my knees when I prayed that prayer and I felt addiction leave my body. I felt the desire for drugs to leave my body. And that's not really up for debate. I don't, you know, I don't care if anybody believes it or not. I'm just telling you what I personally experienced in my own life. And at this point in time, I'm still facing 99 years in prison. I don't even know that I'm even going to get out of jail. Right. We haven't been in court. We haven't, we haven't gone through the proceedings. Right. None of that. I, I just knew that I just knew that I could no longer go on living that way. And he answered my prayer. Right. Well, I, I have to say that I agree with you a hundred percent, right? Because that was my that was my experience, at least after my last relapse, right? Like I wasn't facing 99 years in prison, but when I got sober, right, I, I, I got what they call a nudge from the judge. I was looking at three years. So I get what you mean, right? But even then, as you know, right, like you said, my own power, my own self-will, whatever you call, it, I tried everything. And look, I was given a chance. And even at a sober living treatment center, right, was facing three years, I relapsed four times, right? But like, yeah, this is where you and I have similar stories. And I think that's where we connected with, right? Because that last one, I had that honest prayer. Like, I I remember looking in the mirror, right? After the house manager knew, he saw it in my eyes. I had just gotten high and he was like, <laughs> Max, the office now. And he turned around and walked away, right? And here's where I've shared on this before. And I, I don't know if I shared it with you, but... Like you, right? I, I went into the restroom, I'm changing, I'm getting clothes on, and I just looked in the mirror, and it was like that moment hit me where I said, okay, God, if you're real, like you keep me sober, and I promise you I'll do whatever it takes to stay sober, right? And not only did I kind of have that feeling too, like like something happened, but the, the, the director of the facility who never shows up on a weekend ends up coming up on a Sunday knocking on my door. And I opened the door and it's this lady Sue, right? And like, what are you doing here? Like, you never come on a Sunday. And she, I told her what happened. She goes, how are you doing, Max? And I said, I did it again. And so he gives me a big bear hug and says, get out of here. Come back in three days. And like that, like you, I've never had to turn back. You know what I mean? Like something happened at that moment. And, and I'm glad you shared that with us, right? Because Here's my thing. I've been doing, I've been a substance abuse counselor for 14 years now, right? And in the beginning, it was like, if you didn't do it Max's way, you were going to die and go to hell. You're going to relapse and you're going to do all that <laughs> stuff, right? But what I've learned over the years is to meet people where they're at. And I tell anyone, like, I don't care how you do it, right? Like, just find a way. Just don't do it alone because this, you doing it alone got you to this point, right? So I tell them, my friend always says, I don't care if it's A-A-N-A-C-A, uh, you know, S-A, triple A, just do something. Find a tribe and don't do it alone. Because as you know, that that lifestyle can be very lonely. You could have a ton of friends, but as soon as that sack's gone, <laughs> like, where's everybody at? Like, uh, forget Justin. He ain't, he's out. We're on to the next dude, right? And um, so tell us a little more like on that, because I get that so much, so. You have that prayer, right? You're on your knees and you're like, hey, God, please keep me, help me, right? 
So now you still now you're getting stone cold sober, right? And you're facing that 99 years in prison. Like, how's that affecting you when you made that decision to go, okay, I'm done. No matter what happens, I'm not using it anymore. Yeah. So so that that's the moment that changed my life, man. Uh, you know, I felt it leave my body. I was I was so weak. Um, the next day I went out to the yard. I could not complete one push-up. And I'm not a weak dude, and I've never been a weak dude, but the but the heroin had so taken over my body that I, I literally did not have the the physical strength to do one push-up. Oh man. so I mean, and 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 that state of mind itself is like, okay, well, here's here's where I'm at. Here's here's step one. Here's where I'm at. I'm weak as fuck. You know, I'm 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 as weak as I can get, but I'm not gonna be weak any longer. So you just, I just started putting myself into a regimen. Like I said, I didn't know I was ever going to get out. Um, I just started building day after day. I tried to make, you know, one good choice after another, just add, add something new to my regimen. You know, when you're locked up, you, you start to realize that you can only control so many things in your environment when you're locked up. Yeah. You can either choose to gamble or try to get hold of, uh, you know, pornography or whatever, or, 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 or talk shit with the guys or whatever, you know, right. Or you can work out, you can read, you can write, you know, you can, you can start to reconnect with your family. You know, I, I started taking inventory of the things that I could control within my environment. And I tried to build upon those things to get me back to a healthy, not just physical health, but mental health, emotional right. health, spiritual health. Right. You know, I spent a lot of time on my knees. And you know, that's when you find out how strong you are, right? You know what yeah. I mean? Like when you're locked up and it's just you and your celly or whatever, right? And that's when you find the real strength. Um, that's when you really have no choice but to go deep within and go, okay, I need to figure out how I'm going to be a better me, right? When I get out of here, because you know, as I know, right? When you're saying everybody's got their plans, right? We're going to sell drugs better. We're going to do this better, right? And, and when you're in there, you really figure out like, no, that hasn't worked for me. What am I going to do different, right? And and like you said, like for me, it was just remaining faithful to God. Like if he was keeping me sober, right? And everybody's got their own beliefs. But I believe that there was something greater than myself out there keeping me alive and sober, right? I could have, and you know it, right? Like saying our, our adventures out there, right? Excuse me. Um, right. You could probably look back moments in your life, Justin, where you go, I shouldn't have made it out of that one. Right. Or I should have, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? And, and that's when you start, I know about, I know for me and I'll speak for myself. Those are those moments I look back and say, okay, I'm here for a reason. And even though I don't like it and I'm locked up, I'm not going to be here forever. So how am I going to start changing? Right. So how did those conversations go with your, in your head and maybe with other guys in there? You know what I mean? Cause you know, you always find the one guy that's like, I'm done with this too. I'm done. Like I need to get out of here and do something different. Yeah. So, so we went to court, the proceedings happened. I got a seven year sentence. So I knew, I knew at some point in time I was going to get out. So that was a, a great glimmer of hope for me. So now I can start planning. Um, but I did not stop the personal development. And the longer the personal development went on, your eyes, your eyes start to open to the people around you. Yeah. Like you see other people that are just 
they're doing everything to deflect their situation because they just want to get back out there and do the same old thing, you know, and they're going to come right back, you know? And so for me, I knew I was done. And so I tried to gravitate and, 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 and make bonds and, and, and brotherhood, whatever, with other people that I saw were like on the same path. And it's tough, you know, very few people in the penitentiary system are really trying to change. Right. Most of them just don't want to get caught anymore. Right. <laughs> they just don't want to, don't want to get caught. You know, they right. want to continue doing whatever it is they're doing, but they don't want to get caught. They don't want to put in the work and they don't want to put in what it takes to go inside to, to really heal yourself, you know, which is what you have to do. If you want to make that change, you know, right. you, you've got so many, you've got so many strikes and marks against you when you get out that if you haven't put in the work while you're there, you're, you're, it's, it's a revolving door. Yeah. You're coming right back. So I, I knew this was the training ground. You know, what did Muhammad Ali say when he was talking about, you know, he, he hated training, but you knew he knew that if he would just do the training, he'd be a champion forever. Yeah. You know, I, I don't I don't consider myself a champion, but I consider myself to have overcome some major adversity. I mean, like you said, those those moments you look back in time, I'm not supposed to be here, man. Yeah. I, and I don't know truly why I am. And, and I and I think I'm figuring it out as I go is that, you know, kind of like what we're doing on this podcast and how we, we help people out is that it, I believe it's our personal obligation for people that have overcome adversity and to overcome things like that to share that back with the world and to help somebody else out that might be going through it. Because I, I was counted out. I was counted out by my family. Yeah. My, my family was just waiting on the phone call that said, he's, this is what happened. He's in the morgue come and get them or whatever, you know, right. get, get to the services, get to the, whatever, you know, whatever you got to do to come get him. My family wrote me off. That yeah. that's how bad I was. I get it. Right? That's, and it sucks when you look back and you realize like I caused that, right? Like when you know that your mom's calling the, the local hospitals, the jails and right, because you decide that going and getting high is more important and, and not, you know, checking in with mom in my case to let her know that I'm safe. Right. Like it got so bad. Like you said, they wrote me off. It's like when that last time or when I was getting in trouble, right. And I disappeared for a month. Right. As soon as she got the call, when she would hear, you have a call from an inmate at her County facility, right? She knew it was me. She'd just hang up, click. She knew, she knew <laughs> I was safe. That was it. I'm too pissed oh. to talk to you. Right. Like don't bother me. Right. And, but you know, guys like you and I are lucky that we found recovery, right? However that looks like that we got clean, that we're not sticking needles in our arm, right? Because now we've gone against the statistics, right? Like, because I know if you're like anything like me, I know you, Justin, you probably went, you know, it's balls to the wall or nothing. Like there's no. What? <laughs> Zero to 100. Yeah, right. There's there's not going to get a little sack and say, you know, you guys, we'll share. We'll do some now. We'll share some later, right? Or I'm like the guy that locks the door and goes, dudes, check it out. You're not leaving until we do it all. We'll figure it out <laughs> later, right? But but you, but that, you, you laugh because you get it, right? You know that hold that, that drugs or alcohol can have on an individual, right? And to break those chains is nothing short of a miracle, right? People have their beliefs, you know, I, I, you know, and no one's going to sway me. Mine. The only reason I got sober is because I surrendered to God. And I said, I'll do your work. If you just keep me sober, I don't care. I may not do it perfect, but I'll continue to do it. 
right? And I, I'm coming up on 19 years clean next month. And I know you've got a lot of time now. You know what I mean? And you're right. We have a responsibility for for us as men, right? And that have gone through that battlefield, right? To share with people how we did it. Doesn't matter how you did it, is that we did it, right? To show people that change can happen and that you can be successful. Like I'm telling you guys, like we were talking earlier before we started the podcast, but if you've seen just like if you've seen his work that he does, you could tell he's a man that cares about how his work looks and that he does it the best he can. And like I said, and you're right, this guy is not a weak dude. I remember that guy gave me a hug when I first met him. I'm like, dude, I'm hit, I'm hugging a mountain over here, man. This guy, right? <laughs> to think that like what we used to look like, right? All sucked up that we can become this best version that is Ryan teaches us, right, of ourselves and that we can be the best and the most elite, right? It is our duty uh, to help people. And that's why I wanted to bring you on, Justin, because you are normally, like, you like to joke around. I see your posts, we laugh, but he's a, he's a quiet dude, right? And I'm going, I'm going to get this guy on my podcast because I want him to share with people how change happens, right? And you got to hear it. So share with the other um sorry the other share with the audience right like not that it was an overnight thing but share some of those tough moments you had where you could have went backwards you know what i mean where you just your focus was i'm not changing i'm going to stay on the path no matter how tough it gets right because people got to know it's not easy we know you and i know it wasn't always easy right we have our good days and bad days but i know in the beginning for me there was like even as recent as six years, you know, my story where I lost family members and a brother lost his, you know, committed suicide and lost his battle to this disease. Like I could have gave up, you know, but I didn't. Right. Because I wouldn't be here with you now. So share with the audience some of those moments that you've had. Well, most of those moments for me have been just really. Um, it's hard to put this because I I created all my own problems. I created my own adversity through the, through the drug addiction. Uh, regardless of how you do it, I had to take personal responsibility for that. So I, I don't blame the government. I don't blame anybody on that. I blame myself. And then I had to take responsibility for that. But once you do your time and you get out, you, you, at least what I thought was I do, I did my crime. I did my time. I'm going to get out and I'm going to get a good job and, and I'm going to work hard and do this, that, and the other. And, and society's going to forgive me. And, you know, and for the most part, some people do, but the infrastructure of this world we live in right now is not, not set up that way. Right. I, I got turned down for, I got turned down for jobs, flipping burgers. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, I was, I was trying to find employment around here and you know, everything that I was trying to get that I, that I felt that I was worthy of was yeah. a no, 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 oh, no, no, no. And it was like, I, I got the point. So I, I took a, I took um, a, a FASA grant, Tried to go back to college uh, to get a personal training certificate because I was in really good shape. I, I could not find employment. So, I mean, there were several moments that I was like, if no one's going to forgive me, then, then you know, that, that's that, 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 you know, that voice in the back of the head. Like, if, if you're never going to get a breakthrough, if no one's ever going to give you a chance, then why are you even trying? Right. You know? No, that's exactly. Like, and, and, you have to, and you have to compartmentalize that voice and be like, it's just, it's just a no now. It's not a no forever. I'm going right. to find a way. I'm going to find a way, you know, and that's your own and that's your own personal conviction that I had to strengthen. And I'm so thankful for the time that I did in prison because prison changed my life. It enabled me 
the work that I put in there enabled me to go through those dark moments and situations like that to where, you know, they were telling me I couldn't have a job. Even still to this day, I want you to know I'm not allowed to live in an apartment complex. They, they said, you cannot live in an apartment complex. And I'm going, I own two companies. Like, <laughs> what do you mean I what do you mean I can't live in your apartment? I'll pay it off right now in full. Right. You know, you just let me live here. And and, and they still, you know, wow. so there's, there's, there's things in our infrastructure, which, you know, I, I hope gets changed for convicted felons, you know, in, in, in these situations, but those are, those are roadblocks that I face that other people will face, but you just have to, you just have to, you just have to have that belief in yourself that right. no matter what, this is not the end of the world. You're going to find a way um, and, and it's all going to work out if you have faith. I guess that's why I probably lean on my faith so much yeah. is that because I've watched it literally happen. I've right. watched it happen in my life to where a guy that's not supposed to even be alive. And I just put faith in the fact that I'm here for a reason. And I put one foot in front of the other and started working hard. I got a, I got a miracle call from a, from a guy working the oil field. He says, man, you're going to be gone a lot but you're going to go to work. My mom was getting my paychecks when I was out in the field. You know, my first paychecks were coming on and she's like, are you dealing drugs again? <laughs> <laughs> right. Is this a real company you work for Justin? Cause you're out of town and you're getting these big ass checks, you know? So, I mean, and then things started, you know, the glimmer of hope started happening and, you know, and, and you start realizing that there's more to life. And then for me personally, with the help of people like Ryan Stuman, Andy Frisella, you know, all, yeah. all the people that we mentioned and all the, and the, the mindsets and the, and the thought process that go into becoming the best version of yourself, you start to think outside the box and go, man, there's, I can create my own world where right. these things don't affect me. You, you yeah. get to that point where you're so strong in your, in your work ethic and you're in your diet and you're in your, in your daily life and your habits and everything. It's like, man, nothing is stopping me from going out and making these connections and networking and talking to these people and doing this and doing this and using my God given abilities and gifts to, to just overcome the system. Right. And that's how we do it. And I, I wasn't laughing at you. I was laughing with you because when you said you couldn't even get a job flipping burgers, let me tell you, bro, that's just <laughs> when I got out of jail the last time. Right. And I'm, I'm doing the foot pounding because we, where I lived, you had to leave by eight. You go to a morning meeting, right. And then you would have to leave by eight o'clock and you couldn't come home till five because your new job was to find a job. Right. Until you got, <laughs> and I would pound the pavement. Right. So, and I remember one day I had that talk with my sponsor and, I go, uh, so how's, how's the job search going? He goes, no one, man, no one wants to hire a felon, man. Like even these people that say they're felony, felon, felon friendly, right? I get the same answer. Sorry, we went with another candidate. And you know, right? Because as soon as they found out, <laughs> he told me, he goes, go flip burgers. <laughs> and I went, dude, do you know who you're talking to here? You know, like my high and mighty, I go, I have not flipping burgers. And he goes, well, then you will not get a job until you become willing to flip burgers. So go get a job flipping burgers. I don't care where it's at. <laughs> you know, and I went back and forth, but then I went home. Right. And this was after my last relapse. And I go, all right, God, I told you I would do whatever it takes. If you want me to flip burgers, I'll flip <laughs> burgers. Right. 
And I had that conversation that night. I go, you know, like, get me off my high horse. You know, yes, I'm not beyond flipping burgers. And one of the jobs that I had went after called me that next morning and says, hey, you want to work for us, right? My very first real job in recovery, right, Would that would pay me a good salary, decent benefits, right? And it was like, all I had to do is say, okay, I'll flip burgers. And then the job started coming. And, you know, like for us, things have always gotten better, right? Like you said, like it's it's not just uh, saying I'm going to change. It's doing the work about you like you've done, right? And I've done. Because I'll tell you what, Justin, every job I've gotten since then has always been better than the one before. You know what I mean? Because that faith in myself, right? Because someone believed in me enough to go, I'll give this guy a second chance, right? And it's just gotten better and better, right? And like you said, I've never stopped. I didn't realize it, though, for a long time, right? I thought I was just going in circles, but, right, everything happens for a reason, right? And we got to meet last year and... You know what I mean? And the people that we surround ourselves with it that show us not, you know, like you said, the Andy Purcellas, the Sean Whalens, the uh, the Ed Milets, right? The, all these guys that have made major changes in their lives and they're like way successful, right? Doesn't mean we can't get there. We just got to keep doing the work, like you said, It's and have that belief in ourselves, right? And um, it's just been an amazing to watch your journey, right? And I, well, thanks for sharing that because now I know now you got a second company. I'm like, but you didn't say that. <laughs> I haven't seen a post about that yet. But um, what I'm getting at, audience, is that this man is one of those guys I look up to because I know he's done like the hard work, like the that work that no one really wants to do sometimes, where they have to look in the mirror and go, "Okay, am I, am I happy with the guy that's looking back at me?" Right? And I know for me, I've done that work. I know Justin has, right? Because we wouldn't be sitting here talking today and I wanted to bring him on as a guest so that he could show you guys, right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where you came from. It matters on where you're going and how you're going to get there. Right. And like I said, like I'm on my way up, he's on his way up. Right. And the thing is, even though he's in Texas, man, we support each other a hundred percent. You know what I mean? And that's how, what I'm getting at is, is find your tribe and find those people that, you know, not only are doing what you want to do, but find those people that are far ahead of you so you can see what they've done, right? And most of the good ones will look back and grab your hand and go, this is what I did. I'm not going to do it for you, but I'm going to show you how I did it, right? But there's nothing more rewarding than doing that work and then at the end of the day going, wow, that was pretty cool. I did it. You know what I mean? Well, think about it. I mean, from the guy that they told I couldn't flip burgers uh, and I take this very seriously. I, I run about 10 to 15 crews and those crews pretty much de depend on me to put food on their table. And I'm not, yeah. and I'm not patting myself on the back at all. I'm, I'm, I'm giving God the credit that he took somebody that they told me that I couldn't even flip burgers. Now, now I'm putting food on people's tables, you know, just by what God's done in my life, you know, right. just by taking those gifts and, and, and doing the right thing. So it's, it's amazing how far you can come if you do put in that work. Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that, right? Because it doesn't matter if you have a degree from Harvard or a degree from the School of Hard Knocks like Justin has, right? It's all about how you do the work, how you treat people in that process, and are you truly a giver, right? Uh, I don't know if it's Zig Ziglar or Jim Rohn, whoever said that one quote, right? If you want something help people get what they want 
and you'll get what you want. Right. And that's what Justin has been doing ever since he got out of prison. Right. And decided even in prison, deciding that moment, like, I'm not going to change. I'm going to change for the better, but I'm not going backwards. And, and, and that's right. I've been blessed to be have this longevity as a substance abuse counselor and now helping other people. Right. Overcome the ones that can't really go on Facebook and say, hey, uh, everybody, I really have a problem and I need help. Right. So um, it's just been a total honor to have you on here today, Justin. So there's a couple of questions I like to ask uh, of my guests. Right. So, you know, I wrote a book called Fearless Happiness, same as my podcast. Yeah. So I start with fearless. What does fearless mean to you and how does that show up in your life on a daily basis? So fearless to me is, is just the, the cognizant awareness that you, we call it the force of average, you know, in apex, you know, you know, you know, the obstacles are coming, you know, every day there's going to be challenges every day. If if you don't, then you're, you're not a very intelligent human being. If you think that you're just going to fly through every day and it's all going to be, you know, rainbows and shit, that's just not, that's just not how it is. So so fearless to me is like recognizing the fact that I, I am going to face adversity every day of my life. How do I respond to that adversity? How do I react to that adversity? And then, and then what is my action, you know, and, and how do I, and how do I do that with a, a grateful attitude as well? Right. That's been the, that's been the key for me is, is not only being fearless, but going forward with a, uh, you know, a grateful heart, as I go through each day facing those adversities. And how cool is that, right? Like you can face anything with a grateful heart. It may be scary, anything. right? But, and as we, you and I know, right, we could be the baddest ass dudes on the planet, right? But there's still always going to be some type of fear that we're going to face. So is fearlessness ever going to be like, for sure? No. But I think facing fears, no matter what, like you said, with a, um, an attitude of gratitude or a heart full of gratitude will get you through anything. Right. Because after I went through those events, right. Which then shortly thereafter, you know, I, I became a, a member of apex. Right. And then my family, my FOC, as they say, grew tremendously. Right. <laughs> so I haven't had to face anything. Right. So, and take this from Justin, right. He's, he's seen the worst and he's seen the best time. So it's, it's just, I agree with him a hundred percent. Right. It's, and I've been writing in a gratitude journal for 18 years. So long before I became a member of Apex, right? And, and that's actually what got me through some of my tough times, right? And actually, I think that's why I have friends like you now, right? Because we think alike, right? We may be different states, but we have that one goal in mind. How are we going to help people, right? It may look different, but we're helping people every day. Like you said, you're putting food and stuff in on your employees' tables, Um you're helping people change their homes, right? Which, you know, when you're done, the look in their eyes is priceless, right? Because you've done probably above and beyond what they expected. And then now you're here on a on a podcast sharing your story about how you overcame your challenges. And now that, you know, you're a very successful, in my book, very successful human being, that I get to be a part of that circle. So I appreciate you. So yeah, happiness. Yeah, go ahead. Let me. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to say, I was just going to touch on something is that, you know, at my first apex, uh, at the first million dollar mastermind, I ran into Zach Babcock and Travis Ritchie. It was actually the first podcast that I'd ever been on. Um, and 
actually just went to uh, to Zach Babcock's uh, Alpha Dog Empowerment in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, his first his first uh, live event up there with him, and uh, they put me on the Convicted Life podcast. And so I get I don't know how they do it. I don't know if it's a grant or whatever, but they're they're broadcasting all these people's stories into the federal and state penitentiaries uh, all across the nation. Um, I just had. I had a grandmother reach out to me uh, several months ago, had her said her son Drake uh, was getting out of the Texas penitentiary soon. Uh, he just he just got out recently. Uh, I just had my first phone conversation with him. I'm getting him connected to our, our uh, people, some of the people in Apex that are they're able to help him. He nice. says that, you know, basically he heard the podcast. Uh, it, it resonated with him. He heard my story and that that was what he wanted to do with his life. He had already made those decisions to change. He just needed to start surrounding himself with other people. And I said, bring it on brother. You know? So, so, I mean, it's starting to bear fruit already, you know, sharing your story. It's starting to bear fruit. I mean, this is the first, you know, person that's contacted me, but I've opened, you know, open arms. I haven't met him yet. We've just, we've, you know, Facebook messenger or whatever. We've been having conversations back and forth. I'm sending him some books and just checking out his mindset and just saying, Hey, you know, get ready. You know, you're going to face adversity. You got it. You got to, you got to deal with it as it comes, you know, and he seems ready to go. We'll see how it works. That's how it works, man. That's awesome, bro. Proud of you. So happiness, as you can see, there's a Y in it. What does (laughs) happiness mean to you and how does that show up in your life on a daily basis? Well, I guess, I guess having gone through everything I put myself through, uh, it's pretty simple for me. Uh, I'm, I'm not a numbers guy. I, I appreciate you saying I'm successful. I'm, I'm doing, I'm doing really well. Um, I, I don't have this big, huge number in the sky that I have to have to, 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 to be successful, but to be happy is to wake up and have the freedom to do what I want to do right. when I want to do it. And that has not come easy. And you already know the, 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 the long roads we've been through, but when you can wake up and you can say, Hey, this is what I want to do today. And I want to clear my schedule out and I want to go hang out with my family. I want to go do this. I want to take three days to go do this. You know, that, that to me is, is happiness. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Right. Cause if you would have told me 18 years ago, like I'd be sitting on a podcast interviewing, interviewing one of my friends and I would have told you, Justin, whatever you're doing must be really good. Pass it my way. <laughs> Cause, but that's it. Right. That's, it, it's not about, you said it perfectly. It's it's not about a big number like this is what I make or whatever. You just described it. It's having that freedom to do whatever you want to do, right? In a positive way, whether it's spending time with your family or helping this guy who's just getting out of prison, right? Because that's going to pay you back way more than you could put a price on. You know what I mean? Amen. And, and and for me, it's having friends like you that know that trial and error, right? That have, I mean, you've heard, you know, Chris Whitehead in his part, like at his end always puts in, see you in the trenches, right? We've been in those trenches. We're the ones that dug deeper, <laughs> right? And said, hey, <laughs> we got a little bit deeper to go, right? When people are going, no, no, you got to come out, right? <laughs> so like for me, dude, like you being here means a lot to me. So I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy yeah. schedule and, sharing your your story with my audience right because you are to me the definition of success right because it's it's not about the numbers it's about what you do with your time and who you spend your time with right all that other stuff is good don't get me wrong right money does help but 
right? But it's having that freedom, right? Like, because you and I know what that freedom means when it gets taken away. You know what I mean? So I, I appreciate it um, that you took the time out of your schedule to be with me. I always love talking to you, whether it's in our messenger or now doing our pop my podcast. Um, uh, so if if people want to work with you, Justin, or they need some remodeling done or whatever the case may be, how can they get a hold of you? LoneStarBoys.com, Lone Star Boys Contracting on Facebook, and Lone Star Boys Contracting on Instagram. Awesome. Cool. So one thing before we leave uh, and before we part ways, tell my audience or give them one piece of advice or what would you tell them that would help them grow as a human being? One piece of advice that would help them grow as a human being. Um, I think we I think we touched on it uh, briefly at the end of the podcast. And I, and I think that it, it really just is the is the ribbon that ties up every present, you know, in, in a perfect little package is that if you can't live your life with gratitude, then you're really going to be struggling. You know, gratitude will help you grow in every way, shape, form or fashion. You know, if you if you look at your pathetic circumstance and say this is as bad as it's going to get and poor me and woe me. There's somebody out there gasping for their last breath and they're not going to make it through today. And this is going to be the last day they live their life, you know, and if they had the opportunity to switch shoes with you going through whatever circumstance you think is bad, you're dead wrong. You know, they would do it in a New York minute. So I I think I think if you just want to grow as a human, you know, be 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 kinder to people, be more grateful to people, be, be more grateful for the life that you have. Right. And, what, and what what your existence that you are living. Right. And remember, it's always worse. So be grateful for where you're at. Right. It can always get worse, become worse. Right. Um, thank you, sir, for that. Again, everybody, did you listen to Justin? Just have an attitude of gratitude. A heart full of gratitude will get you a long way. Well, my friend, I thank you for being here. Thank you again for taking the time. Until next time, um, if everybody got anything out of this, please leave a review. Until next time, we'll see you later. You've been listening to Fearless Happiness. The numbers on addiction are absolutely stunning. Max lived in addiction for years and during that time made some terrible choices, losing his family, friends, and career. But he turned his life around and now Max works as a substance abuse counselor helping people in their recovery. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show and we hope you had fun along the way. We know we did. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, hit the website at www.maxnaced.com on Facebook at max.naced. Till next time, keep the fight and we'll see you soon.